0: I just wanna live in Calabas. I just wanna live in Calabas. I just wanna live in Calabas. I, I just wanna live in Calab I just wanna live in Calabasas So I'm back in the studio all by myself this time, feeling good about things, actually. Uh haven't been here in a long time. I feel bad feel like I need to get back into it. Um, I don't know why I haven't. It's just because life has passed me by getting busy, doing work, school, life, uh, that kind of stuff. But it's no excuse. Um, yeah, I don't know. First few things just been on my mind. Um, what I want going forward from this podcast, or what do I want it to be. Uh I don't know. I have no idea. Anytime I hop into the studio I really don't know what's gonna happen. Um but it usually it turns out good. I wanna do some more solo shit. Even if it means no one's listening. I I just like to be in front of a microphone and rambling and I think it helps it translates to conversation and other aspects, so it's kinda like a verbal diary too, which is interesting, at least for me. Uh I just have some interesting shit I want to talk about uh this- I woke up the other night at like four in the morning uh I don't know just really wired like my brain was just going, and I actually had to like take a minute and write like journal just to like calm down get my thoughts out 'cause I don't know if you ever try to go to sleep and your head is your mind is just like racing like it's impossible to to calm, or not impossible to calm it down. You know, you can meditate. That does help for sure. I need to get back into that, a regular practice at least. Uh, but yeah, it's just hard to like calm yourself down. Um, but anyway, this is one of the questions I was thinking about. If you could occupy someone's mind for 24 hours, who would it be? Uh, like, I mean, full cognitive access, like you you are them for a day basically. You know what it's like to be them, you know their memories, you know their thought patterns, uh, and their thoughts, literally. Like, who would you choose to sit in on? I said, I wrote down Dostoevsky because I'm a nerd. (laughs) No, um, because I'm reading a Dostoevsky book currently, which is really, really interesting, and I read a lot of him, or we read some things in my philosophy class this term. By him, and he really captivated me in his philosophical kind of literature. It's really, really interesting. Like, the way he writes is so easy to consume, at least for me, just much easier than other philosophers, because he is a literary author. Like, so his mind, though, is just he has these narratives and like all of life struggles, and, and ah, I like the nuance and the detail of human emotion and like irrational behavior ah man it's insane it's really really incredible Uh, it's called the Brothers Karamazov it's about a family of brothers um all basically have their own quirk Um, Alyosha is the like Jesus figure like forgive the sort of you know turn the other cheek like love everyone he is even in a monastery for the beginning of the book uh like training to be a monk uh, and then you have dimitri who's from he's the oldest he's from the first marriage of the father and then you have ivan and uh, he's the middle brother he's the sciencey one dimitri's sort of this like impulsive um yeah not good with money uh kind of a guy. And his father is this miserly, like, cretin, (laughs) kind of just a terrible human being, but, like, also just, like, a a loud and uh, someone who wants to watch the world burn. Just not not watch the world burn, but watch um, people squirm. Like, he likes seeing people squirm, making people suffer, which is interesting, because Dostoevsky also talks about that in The Underground Man. Oh, look at me, a literary reference. <laughs> I've got nasally voice and glasses on. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to stop talking about that. But, uh, yeah, it, it was really, really interesting. So he was one on my um, list. Charles Manson, going dark. Um, like, what the fuck would it be like to be in someone's head that's, like, you know, psychotically deranged? Uh, maybe that's a morbid or, like, I don't know but i think it would be kind of fascinating i just thinking the other day though like maybe that would be traumatic like even just to be p- transplanted in someone's head like would that be would that would you be able to recover would that just be like feel like a distant dream or a memory anyway this is a ridiculous thought experiment but uh Kanye was one of them too like creative chaos like what the fuck is Kanye like his mind i wonder what it's like on a daily basis like moment to moment must be just insane um and then let me think of anyone else maybe trump now i don't know if was much going on but yeah that could be like fascinating right like everything is (laughs) yeah everything is turned, and filtered and uh kind of put in relation to yourself good old donald um uh yeah what else have I been thinking about? Philosophical thought exp- Oh, split brain. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole and uh, looked at these people called split brain patients, which um, what happens when, so with severe epilepsy that can't be treated by medication, they uh, doctors will literally go in and sever what's called the corpus callosum in your brain corpus callosum connects the two hemispheres of your brain. So left to right, because usually what happens, why they do this for seizures is seizures usually are start out as localized in like one hemisphere, like a flurry of electrical activity usually brought on by, you know, uh, could be sensitivity to light or like stress or whatever unknown causes too. Um, And then it starts in, in the left hemisphere or the right hemisphere and scores slowly spreads and then reaches the corpus callosum and then infects the whole brain um, and then you have this like basically shutdown of the nervous system which is what happens if you've ever seen a seizure or if you've ever seen it on TV or whatever like just basically uncontrolled firing of uh, your neurons in your brain, your brain cells so they've cut this and in these patients now the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere work independently of each other so it's like now there's almost like two people inside this one human body. So for example, what's also very interesting about the brain is that it is uh it's um opposite. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It's what's we call decussated, which means the left side of the brain controls the right side of the body. Um and so what happens there is Any information that goes, for example, into your left eye is going to your right hemisphere. Any information going into your right eye is reaching your left hemisphere. Your left hemisphere is where your speech centers are, speech areas. And so the left side of your brain is the vocal side, right? The left hemisphere is the vocal hemisphere. So what they can do for these split brain patients is imagine a divider. Like a line, vertical line on the right side of the line, uh, we you can flash certain objects, and on the left, certain left side of the line, you can flash certain objects. If you flash an object to the right side of the line, it's reaching, it's entering your right eye, predominantly, Um, and then so that's going to your left hemisphere. So now you can ask this person about the object. What did they see? Right, You flash this object, what did they see? They say they saw a rabbit. Okay great, it was a rabbit. Mark it down as the correct answer. Now we flash something to their left eye. So the left eye's information is going to the right hemisphere, nonverbal. So there is no verbal center in the right hemisphere. So in order to see that information uh, we have to look elsewhere. So we look left eye, flash, we ask him, he, had, he can't say. He doesn't know. I didn't see it. Um, then we ask him to draw what he saw. And though he can't say what he saw, he can draw it, which is fascinating. So it means that, like, we have these two independent, um, like, forms, two independent reception centers for information, like integration centers for in- information, which potentially could mean, like, this guy talks about your mind being made up of these semi-autonomous agents and they're each kind of exerting this unconscious influence onto your behavior and you have no idea um, but you are like constructing this like kind of narrative. You're like weaving together all those interjections of like thought and uh, agency, like action and you are calling it you because like you have to otherwise... How would you justify <coughs> your actions? Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I've been thinking about identity a lot actually. Like, thinking about like what I, cause like, we, I'm talking about existentialism, um, that philosophy class I'm in. And we talk about, uh, how really you kind of create who you want to be. Like, you, you're given a certain set of social situation, like, um, your standing socioeconomic status, uh, gender, whatever, uh, sexual orientation, like, whatever. You're given a certain parameter and then you basically have the opportunity to do, to interpret that, interpret those situational factors um, and do with it what you want to do. So it's like, you don't come into the world necessarily with a preformed... Version. It's like you you're given a certain set of starting characteristics, like, uh, and then life kind of um, forces itself on that, and then interpret uh, uh, like kind of comes out of it in a way. I don't really know how to put it. Uh, interacts with it, and then creates a self from that. So like all of our experiences, and then we're also like looking around us and seeing, okay, like who do I want to be like, or what do I wanna be like? And then copying people, copying behavior, um, we're seeing around us, right? Um, Because we, we know that that's how others have succeeded, and so that's how we will succeed. Yeah, that's, yeah, copying behavior. I feel like that you kind of... I don't know. And we're just always in the process of forming our identity. We're like, I am this. But like there are certain things we do that obviously don't fall into the realm of that. Like, So I want to be um, a just person or I want to be a kind person. Like uh, There are going to be situations where you, you can't be a kind person or you're not a kind person just because you woke up on the wrong side of bed or, you know, whatever. Um, so we're constantly creating these ideals and then not living up to them and then kind of changing them and then not living up to them and then keep changing. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a game. Like it's this never ending, like fucking game. Um, but it's interesting. Cause then you see people who are older and like they seem like they've kind of solidified a bit. Like they know who they are. Like they're, they are I don't know if that's true, though. Maybe that's just an outward perspective. Like, you get more solidified in who you are as you get older, for sure, just because life kind of does that. But you can always change. Like, you always have that capacity to, like, be figuring it out. Like, I don't think anyone gets to a point where they're like, oh, yeah, I'm me. This is who I am, totally secure. Like, I don't know. Maybe people do. But I would think that you just aren't uh, examining a situation. (laughs) If you've, like... If you feel like you've reached this point where you don't want to like change or grow anymore or look towards anything, um, yeah, it's so weird. Like, we have this, uh, such a rigid, like, idea of who we are, right? Like, you ask me right now, like, oh, I'm, uh, I don't know. You say, like, describe yourself in three words, like, oh, I'm curious, I'm, um, extroverted i'm uh i don't know annoying <laughs> no uh like whatever i i have this kind of unchanging idea of what i think i am but in reality like we're just constantly dynamically shifting right like constantly trying to create uh ah it's crazy <laughs> yeah man split brain makes you think Makes you think like in the future what will be what will we be using to guide our like identity formation? Is it gonna be like t- technology like when we can basically orient ourselves to um so say like for example Siri becomes like a thousand times better like it becomes this personal assistant that like it's tracking your metabolic data it's tracking your heart rate it's tracking uh how much you're walking around track whatever then it's also tracking the conversations you have um blah 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 and now it has this like optimized profile of like who it thinks you are and so it's helping you kind of make decisions now now you're Maybe you have a quandary, right? Like, I don't know whether I should go out with this girl or go out with this girl. Um, and Siri could tell you, Siri could say, Oh, you are ninety five percent compatible with Stacey, and while you are only sixty four percent compatible with whoever. Um, I'm not saying it's gonna be like, I, I just think we'll have that information at some point. Um, just based off of uh where things already are in terms in terms of social media and and uh tracking uh your behavior and making algorithms suggesting things that you like. Like I would not be surprised if we are much more informed by um technology to make decisions. Like so then once we rely start relying on technology to make our decisions, like now you're just looking at a rational a thought like now, you're just looking at rational information, right? Like, logical two is greater than one, so pick two. Like, and then you remove completely the need for you. Basically, can this is what Dostoevsky said? This is what Dostoevsky said he said that basically, we're only here to do to perform action, we are only here to perform to exert our agency around the world. Around in our world, I mean, like, we only exist to act, because and to to volitionally act, specifically. So, like, not only logic plays a role in making a decision to act, right? You have so many other factors. You have, uh, you have your memory of that situation. You have uh or like a previous or a similar situation, you have your friends telling you what to do. You have uh your just emotional gut. Um and we do things that are irrational all the time. So obviously we're not completely rational creatures. Um and so once we remove that kind of need, or sorry, once we remove the like the humanness almost of our decision making like what are we doing you know like you you're you're kind of defeating the whole purpose of what why you're even here yeah but it's weird because we i don't know there are certain parts of the humanness of us that like give rise to terrible consequences excuse me consequences (laughs) like uh just tribalism for example like if you could engineer out tribalism that would be great, right? Because, and you could, like, do it in rational terms. You could say, no, like, everyone is just another human being. Um, and therefore, like, you should go into every situation with a blank slate, sort of, or with a ideal of a human being, not, not a, not a, you know, someone that's just because they look like you, they're better. Or I don't know, whatever. Like, you can see how you could use rational thought to actually make, the, the, like, the world better. Um, but that, that's what he says. He's, he Dostoevsky talks about this uh, crystal palace and how, like, the crystal palace is basically what, like, a society where all action has been determined. Like, you have the causal, re- re- you know, causal reality that is kind of just written out and you can just see what everyone needs to be doing. Um and he says like this is a while it's a utopia it's a, it's also a miserable utopia like it because you you're not free you're trapped and so and so he argues against like rationality and reason and thought and in that way just says go and fucking act be in the world exert your subjective being and then i think when he means acting or when he's talking about acting he means like i think he means anything i literally think he means getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth like i mean i'm sure he probably would like you to go and live life to the fullest there's a crazy excerpt of this letter he wrote to his brother um because Dostoevsky was basically about to get shot he was lined up in the uh on the firing in the firing squad or whatever he was lined up and just as they were about to execute him this message arrived from the Tsar or not Tsar, uh, whatever king saw I don't know I don't know my Russian shit and um, basically, commuted his sentence to like you know, ten years hard labor instead. And basically, that experience stuck with him so much. He talks about being struck with this um, crazy like zeal and lust for life. Like this, he talks about how his his uh, his thankfulness for life has never been higher in no, his thankfulness. His joy, his enjoyment has never been more so invigorated because he's stared at death literally in the face. Like, that is when we realize how incredible this shit is. When when we ourselves... I mean, obviously also when loved ones pass away and friends, but when we ourselves are staring at uh, the possibility or the probability or the indef- inevitable possibility, uh, event of death like that's when you realize how fucking lucky you are to have anything um Dostoevsky is really interesting because he talks about even suffering as he says the more it hurts the better he's playing this character where he's kind of talking about just existence as pain and but he says that in the suffering is what reminds us we are alive which is really really fascinating and i can't think that if your life was full of suffering, like, only full of suffering, then you could just, you could say, I'm glad it happened, because even in the worst of the worst person's lives, I think, we, we have some, well, no, they're probably, as I said that, there's probably someone who has literally a life full of nothing but pain. (sighs) I don't know, yeah, 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 probably, well, even in, like, passing short little moments, like a laugh or a uh, a recognition of your situation, I think there's something along the way that's not suffering. I don't know. Maybe there are people. Because I'm just thinking, like, people I've seen in, you know, terrible life situations, they still have the capacity to smile or to laugh or to uh, just smell the roses almost like I don't know just to f- to appreciate being here at all even if the shit the life they're leading sucks like um I don't know though maybe maybe that's a rosy kind of outlook um yeah I don't know now I've kind of lost my train of thought I was rambling for a while there uh, volitional action, da da, da 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 technology, um, suffering, I don't know how I got on, oh, yeah, anyway, like, I've had an experience, okay, this is wild, such a weird, weird, weird experience, I went to go see Joker, uh, with my friend Alejandro, and, incredible movie, just let me get that out of the way, but, um, <sighs> we had a weird fucking experience, like, the, the... Uh, as soon as we get into the theater, we're on the riding this escalator up, and this guy behind us just strikes up a conversation with Alejandro and is like, Hey, I'm really excited to see this movie. Should be, or what are you guys going to see? Joker, da da da. Oh, me too. I'm so excited. I've wanted to see it since I saw the trailer. Yeah, us too, man. It was great. He's like, can continues the conversation. Um, he looks a little strange. Like, he looks, uh, like he's wearing, uh, Kind of like a coat, like not almost like a trench coat, not a trench coat, like a more of a long cardigan, I guess. Um, and he's got glasses, um, tall man, uh, maybe a little bit overweight, um, and and then um, he said, "You know, um, the newspapers keep saying that there's going to be a shooting, a mass shooting, at the Joker." um, like, at one of the Joker shows, and I was like, oh, okay, great, yeah, why, you know, as soon as someone, like, mentions a smash shooting at a movie theater, and you don't know them, like, I could see, you know, I know some fucked up people, and I could see my friends making a fucked up joke, but, like, being someone you don't know is, that was really unnerving, just to, like, oh, okay, he's bringing that up, that's weird, and then, Alejandro kind of, like, we get to the top of the escalator, we leave, and Alejandro kind of peels off, and I'm still, like, near him, and he says something like, you know, I wish that a mass shooting would happen to the newspapers, or, you know, something to that effect, and I was like, oh, okay, and I kind of just scurried off, and I was, like, freaked, and so was Alejandro, Alejandro was also freaked, and we are like, what the fuck was that, like, why did we, why did that have to happen right now, like, sh- fuck, I don't even know if she, we should go to the movie, and so <laughs> we went anyway, which really wasn't a great idea. Like, anyway, we went, and so great fucking movie. Like, and but that put me on so much edge, and so did so was Alejandro. Like, fuck, we were just so ex ugh, agitated, and like your fight or flight system is just going. Like, you can feel I can feel like adrenaline, my heart rate's above 120. Like, I'm just, kind of like bombing my legs. My breathing's kind of shallow, like... And that was the entire movie, because I was just... And every single time a scene with a gun happened, or, like, a violent scene, I would be looking at the entrances to the, to the theater. Because I was like, oh, shit, like, okay, I had this worked out. Like, if shit has... Uh, <laughs> we both talked about it. Okay, if shit pops off, like, just fucking roll, like, right down, um, you know, where you... The floor, basically. Like, you're sitting on these uh, cushy seats, and you can just, like, drop down and hide underneath, the you know, the next row, essentially, and hopefully you don't get shot, and, like, we were, like, literally thinking about that, and I was thinking about that the entire movie, uh, and while I did, was able to enjoy the movie, um, I was also, at the same time, had that always circulating in my head, and it was, it sucked, I fucking hated it. it, it, like, I could see how, um, destructive or how, like, distracting, uh, something like PTSD is, where you're you're constantly on edge, you're constantly looking over your shoulder, you're constantly, um, sizing people up in a room, like, uh, just, I, I could see how draining that is, um, because I was just in that moment, like, doing that, and honestly, afterwards, I was like, oh my, like, took me so long to calm down, and I was like, what is this feeling, you know, why am I so, Um, amped and it's really interesting just to kind of examine your like unconscious just like instinct for life like you're fucking like attuned to it you're like not even self preserve like just self preservation is like built in it's not even a thought like it and um, yeah that and when you're interfacing with that it's almost like wow like this is why i mean or no this is not why this isn't why i'm here but like this is proof of like that i am here i was you know or that my my that i want to live i don't know in a way like that i have to live i think that's what it was like they had i have to live that i like have no no choice like i have to uh yeah i don't know it was very interesting experience um not necessarily enjoyable, but, hey, I'm glad it happened in a way. Not really, but, like, I, uh, it gave me a big insight into um, just, like, my mind. And I thought I kind of understood Dostoevsky on a different level. Yeah, I'm on a different level thinking. <laughs> um, Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to... St- Stop here. Maybe record another one. I like halfway, wait. All right, because I got a 30-second, 30-minute thing.